Some things never change, do they? Or do they? Restaurants, a staple of life in the Western world, are undergoing a dramatic shift. Before our eyes, the likes of DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats are changing the dining landscape. Times are changing. For decades, takeaway dining options were limited to things more like pizza or fast food, but no more. A host of app-based food delivery companies have taken over, it seems. Even traditional sit-down restaurants are partnering with them. But all is not well. Although such courier companies helped many restaurants weather the pandemic, some restaurateurs are now calling them an addiction. Many establishments are even losing money by using them. But do you just drive away many of your customers? Some hard decisions will have to be made in the near future. There are many tough decisions in life, but one decision will never let you down. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Welcome to Haven Today, here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're wrapping up a series today called The Living Nativity, Echoes. Echoes from the Old Testament, finding their way into the New Testament, and especially into the story of Christ's birth 2,000 years ago. Ancient promises, ancient whispers, becoming fully audible through the Lord Jesus and his birth. You can't read the Old Testament without hearing these whispers, these glorious visions of the Messiah. Bethlehem, Egypt, a baby born to a virgin. If you are familiar with the Old Testament, these all take you back, but why? Why do all these echoes point us to Jesus? Well, a short answer is that God had come to save his people from their sin. Stick around to hear these echoes in the living Christmas story that's all about Jesus. And speaking about the story of Christmas, I'm curious if you've started thinking about how you will point your loved ones, especially the children in your life, to Jesus this Christmas. If we don't start planning today, soon Santa and Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman will start edging in. Here's an idea for you. Instead of talking about snowmen looking for their magi hats this year, why not talk about wise men searching for Jesus? And the Manger Mission can help you do that. We asked one of the co-creators to explain exactly what this family tradition is all about. The Manger Mission is a child-led, play-based, Jesus-focused family Christmas tradition that includes a hardback children's book that tells the story both of the tradition and of the original wise men in scripture. It also includes a wooden nativity set coordinating with the illustrations in the book, and the, te- the set has been tested for child safety. Our mission is to share a tradition that encourages children to be creative, and inspires families to focus on Jesus during the Christmas season. Let me say, because I have a copy one room over from my studio right now, the Manger Mission's wooden nativity set is colorful, it's cute, it's well-made. The kids in your life are really going to enjoy sending the wise men to the farthest point in their home and help them move towards Jesus each day this coming month. After this program, I want to give you an opportunity to support Haven Today by getting you a boxed set of the Manger Mission for your gift to the ministry. And as our thank you, we'll send you the Manger Mission with both the storybook and the woodblock nativity. Our number to call is 800 6 
800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website, watch the short video we have showing a family using it, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And just before we open with some music, we still have the chosen TV show seasons one and two for your gift to the ministry as well. And now let's get started with Shane and Shane. When the babe was born in a manger on the hay, God saw a veil torn. He saw Good Friday. He was born to So 
sung at their own studio that they own in Nashville. That's Born to Die by Shane and Shane opening this Haven Today in a program called The Living Nativity. I'm Charles Morris. Christmas, the celebration of our Lord's birth. We know the when of Christmas. We've marked the date through the centuries, most of us, for December 25th. Even though that is almost certainly not when Jesus was born, that's when we celebrate it. We know the how of Christmas. All of us have our own traditions with our families and friends and churches, but maybe it's helpful to think about the why of Christmas. Why was this baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Well, the short answer is because God had come to earth. But why did God the Son become, I'll use a big word here, but it's a word we need to use, incarnate? Why did the God-man walk on this planet? Well, let's let Jesus himself tell us. We know that during Christ's earthly ministry, he did a lot of teaching. Sometimes he taught in what we think of as a normal way, where he explained something from the law or directly challenged the preconceived notions of those around him. But then other times he used parables, stories, meant to communicate meaning in a different way. And what is probably the most famous parable of them all? Well, I would say it would have to be what we call the parable of the prodigal son. If we wanted to show someone why Jesus came to earth that first Christmas, this is a good place to start. Our Lord told it to explain why he was eating with tax collectors and what in the day were called sinners. And how does this parable begin? There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now that was a shocking story for the day, even if we might not realize it. Perhaps we need a little help. And I want to go to Dr. Kenneth Bailey. His parents were missionaries, and he was born in Egypt, but he went on to learn all the languages of the Middle East, and he became a scholar, a Middle East scholar, who spent decades teaching at Bible colleges there. Dr. Bailey talks about how we need to rescue the truth from familiarity. Let's look at the story as we find it in a store, as a story about Middle Easterners themselves talking as Jesus was, as a fellow Middle Easterner to his fellow Middle Easterners. The first thing we start off with is that in the beginning, a young man requests his inheritance while his father is still alive. Now, I don't know what age you are and whether or not your parents are still alive. My saintly mother died two years ago, and when she was still alive, I did not say to her, look, Mom, you're getting old. I'd like a new car. Dad left a few bonds. Why don't you give them to me now? I'm going to get them pretty soon anyway. You're going to kick off before too long. I didn't say that to my saintly mother. I very much doubt if you have said anything of that kind to your parents. Because in the Middle East, and surely this is true for, in some sense for every culture anywhere in the world, to ask such a question means, Dad, why don't you drop debt? Now, in the Middle East, this is so specific, and it is so intently felt that for 25 years I have looked for a story like this in the culture of the Middle East, and I've not found one. We don't find anything like it in the Old Testament, Intertestament literature, early Jewish or Syriac literature, Arabic literature. I've tried all of them. I have never found in oral or in written fashion any story like this. This 
bomb which goes off at the beginning is so horrifying that nobody tells a story like this except Jesus of Nazareth. The father, if he likes, can have a mock funeral, which sometimes people do in the Middle East, bury an empty box and say to himself, I no longer have a son. If he does this, there's no way in which the boy can return. So there's an expectation here, isn't there? This boy shouldn't be able to come back, at least not without severe punishment. And there's something else here, too, something that we may miss. Jesus said, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. We hear that phrase, distant country, and think of places far away from us. The other side of the world, maybe. But that's not what Jesus meant, and that's not what the original audience would have heard. This was a phrase that was common in that day, one that came from the Old Testament. A distant country was a Gentile land. It was a place outside the borders of the promised land. Basically, this young man turned his back on his father, but more than that, his people, and worse than that, his God. He voluntarily left the place where God had brought his ancestors. And we know what happens next, don't we? He squanders his money and a famine hits. You can almost see the listening Pharisees leaning in at this point as Jesus tells the story. I can. There they are, with smiles beginning to creep over their faces. This younger son was getting what he deserved after all. So he goes to sell himself into slavery to a Gentile. Now think about that. What's the main story of redemption in the Old Testament? The Exodus where God redeemed his people from slavery to Gentiles and brought them then into the promised land. So what did the prodigal do? He reversed the exodus for himself. He left the promised land and sold himself back into slavery to a Gentile. Unthinkable. And even more unthinkable, feeding pigs would have struck the original audience as being highly unusual. If he was feeding pigs, then he was certainly outside the Jewish community. They were unclean, after all. And the pigs had it better than he did. This is absolutely rock bottom for a first-century Jewish person. But at some point, he began to come to his senses. He has the beginnings of repentance. But he didn't still quite understand grace. I want us to go back, and I want us to hear a little more from the late Dr. Kenneth Bailey. So finally he decides, I'm going to go home. So when he does, what does he say? He prepares a wonderful speech. He says, I will go back to my father and I'll say I have sinned. Okay, there's his confession. And then I will say to him, fashion out of me a craftsman. Now we've translated this, make me into a hired servant. The word hired servant, misthos, is a different word from the ordinary word for a slave, which is doulos, or the diakonos, which is the house servant, the kinds of words that ordinarily we get. This is a special word. And Jewish scholarship has identified the fact that this word is the equivalent of the word skilled craftsman. And when he says, make me, he's using the word which was used for God when God made the world. Fashion out of me a craftsman. What's the point? 
The point is, I'm still young and strong. Okay, I blew it. Don't worry, Dad. You train me as a good carpenter, and I will save my wages, and I will pay you back one dollar at a time, and one of these years I'm going to have all that money paid back, and then everything is going to be square, he thinks. But you see, you and I know that the issue is not the money. The issue is, Dad, why don't you drop dead? Now, how much is he going to pay Dad to make up for the broken relationship? If it's a matter of a broken law, okay, you can pay money, but it isn't. It's a broken relationship. Now, how is this going to be restored? Today, I insult you in public, and tomorrow I say, Joe, how much shall I make out the check for because I'm sorry I insulted you yesterday? And the offer of a check is now a deeper insult. You are now rubbing salt into the wounds. We have broken a relationship with God, and we keep coming back and saying to him, how many brownie points do I have to earn? How many laws do I have to keep? How many services do I have to attend? And then the, the, the account is going to be square. And our very attempt to do this adds greater fuel to the insult. But what happens? It doesn't go the way he expects. And it doesn't go the way the audience would have expected either. Jesus said, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around his son, and kissed him. Now that's grace. The son couldn't even finish his prepared speech before he's accepted back and given everything he could ever need. That son was forgiven before he could even try to work for it. Dr. Kenneth Bailey helps us see the point. And so in its clearest fashion, we see both the incarnation, the father who comes and becomes a servant, and we see and hear the overtones of the cross. And in its clearest illustration, we find the costly demonstration of totally unexpected love, which melts the socks off of this kid. He now realizes the issue is not the money, and I can work for this man for a million years, and I'm not going to make up for the pain of his broken heart. And if it is to be restored, he's going to have to do it, and all I can do is accept. And that's what he does, and that's what we do. And that is why Jesus came. The father told the elder brother, according to Jesus, sharing the parable, we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, the Greek word translated, we had to, is actually very important in Luke's gospel. It's used again and again to say that it was necessary for Christ to come and die for sinners. So why was Jesus born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Why did all these things happen that we've heard about the last couple of weeks? Because God the Son had to come to earth. It was necessary for him to become incarnate in order to save his people. And you know what? I don't think the Christmas story is complete if we don't recognize and share that fact. It isn't just a feel-good story about a little baby worshipped by shepherds and visited by wise men. It's another scene in a longer story. The greatest story ever told that's all about Jesus. In Malachi 3, the prophet announced that suddenly the Lord you were seeking will come to his temple. He came on that first Christmas 
but not in the way that most expected. And he lived, died, and rose again so that prodigals like you and me today can be accepted by Almighty God. What a story. This is Christmas. This is our Savior. Tell me the story of Jesus right on. a harmonious version of the traditional hymn, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, Christ's Birth to Death to Resurrection, sung for us by the Booth Brothers on their Harmony album here on Haven Today. Looking at the wise men has really helped me better understand the greater Christmas story. Jesus came to save his people from their sin. That's both Jew and Gentile. And these wise men who came from afar were the first outsiders who came to know Christ. Wow, what a picture of the gospel. And you can share this story in your home or in the home of your loved ones when you make a gift to Haven Today. Now, some have asked, what exactly is the manger mission? How does it work? Well, think about this in your mind. There's a family sitting around at home. Maybe they even have a fireplace with a fire crackling inside and Christmas carols are playing in the background and someone brings out this delightful looking green box, pries it open, and inside are several items, including wonderfully illustrated storybook that tells the story of the wise men's journey to Christ. And right up front, it talks about how the wise men showed up after the birth of Jesus. 
But then you keep taking things out of the box and there's a colorful 12-piece wooden nativity set that's perfect for kids of all ages to play with. And they set it up and there's the manger. They put Mary and Joseph next to Jesus. And then there's the shepherds and the sheep all there. But then the activity begins. The kids grab the wise men and try to find the furthest they can get away from the manger in their home with them. And then the family reads the story and talks about why Jesus came and how he called outsiders, like the shepherds, like the wise men, to worship him. Each day, the kids move the pieces even closer to Jesus as the reason for the season is shared. My wife and I are sending the manger mission to our two youngest grandkids this year, and we also got a set for ourselves to enjoy. And many people are doing the same thing, like Deborah in Texas and John in New York, who made a generous gift to the ministry and asked us to send the manger mission directly to their loved ones. And we can do the same for you. We have them in our warehouse, and shipping, if you act right now, is still free. What about you? Get ready to lead your loved ones to the manger mission. And to start, you just need to call us right now at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go watch the video we put up on our website. Watch families play with the Manger Mission. Just click on the Manger Mission resource to find the video. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And yes, we still have the TV show The Chosen. Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD for your generosity. Get a set for yourself to enjoy. Maybe give one away to someone this Christmas who needs to learn more about Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. An old theologian once asked, what is theology, actually? We might think of a technical science based on the intricacies of some obscure scripture or confusing philosophical language. The theologian looked across the table and said simply, theology is a matter of the stomach. But what did he mean? You do theology differently when your belly is full. The hungry theologian had his eyes set on sufferers. The full theologian looks to his own benefits. Humble yourselves, Paul said in Philippians 2. Consider the needs of others as more significant than your own. Do theology on an empty stomach, in other words. Christ did. He emptied himself to serve, even to the point of death on a cross. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.